United Methodist Church. Loving as God intends through helping, healing, and home. Good morning. This morning we're going to begin our sermon series called The Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I've been reading this book by Amy Jill Levine, who is the professor of New Testament over at Vanderbilt. And the book is called The Sermon on the Mount. And there are so many interesting things in there that I began to read through the, the sermon again in Matthew and reflect on it. And I thought it would be a great way for us to move into our next sermon series in a few weeks, which is going to be called The Kingdom of God. Uh, the reason that I uh, felt like it would be good to begin here is because uh, many scholars argue that the, the Gospel of Matthew's account of the Sermon on the Mount here in, uh, beginning in chapter 5 is sort of an uh, introduction to or a, um, a guide to how, what does it look like to live into the kingdom of heaven. So we're going to begin our sermon series, our sermon this morning, by reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie against you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. May we be blessed this morning by the reading and the hearing of God's word. Let's pray. Good morning, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to be able to, as a community of faith, turn to your scriptures this morning. And we pray that as we reflect on their, their meaning, as we reflect on, on, on how they impact us, that you might open our ears so that we can hear your voice. But more than just hearing, that we might be transformed by your Holy Spirit. Transformed into the people that you've called and created us to be. So this morning, rather than us transforming the words into what we want them to say, May these words be your powerful tool. To recreate in us your heart. I pray for a clarity of thought. 
I pray that you would hide me behind your cross so that it's your glory, your strength, your grace, your mercy, your justice, and your righteousness that we would experience here today. We pray all this in your most holy and precious name. Amen. So I mentioned a moment ago that the Sermon on the Mount is kind of this uh, beginner's guide to the kingdom of God. It's, it's, it's for those of us that are wanting, that are desiring to follow Christ and to become part of this kingdom. And it's Jesus then tells us, this is what this is going to look like. This is what the behavior should be. This is what people should be like when they live in the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God, it, the reason that um, Matthew, Matthew uses kingdom of God as well as kingdom of heaven. And he's talking here about being in the kingdom of heaven because he's, he's comparing that to uh, the earth. He's saying that the way things are on earth right now are not the way that things should be. And that when things become the way they should be, that's the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is one of these things that exists in a place and a time where past, present, and future all come together to worship God. And, and Jew and Gentile all gather together. And, and we begin to live in a certain way. And so as an introduction to even that, we, we hear these beatitudes. So I think it's important for us to remember that the, that the sermon is being delivered uh, primarily to these four disciples. And we know that, that there's going to be more disciples, but at this point in the gospel, we've only read about Jesus calling four, but we know that, um, that others have gathered around. But these four, they're the insiders. They're the ones who've already left their homes and their families in order to follow Jesus. And Jesus is telling them, this is what it's going to be like. And so what Jesus is doing in this sermon is beginning the creation of this new movement with disciples. He's setting up a new community. And, and the question is, how do you live in this, in this community? How do you live as part of this group? What would it look like to live in this new family where people actually did what the Sermon on the Mount tells us that people should do? What would it look like if we actually did the things that the Sermon on the Mount tells us to do? And where people actually are what the Sermon on the Mount thinks we should be. It begins to explore this. And, and Jesus begins with a series of nine statements, which uh, we've already used the term Beatitudes. So a beatitude is simply, it's a blessing. Um, it's, we, we get it from the Latin translation of the New Testament in the late 4th century by St. Jerome, where he translated the Greek with beati, which has this, this connotation not only of being blessed, but also of being happy and being rich. And, and you heard some of that in this particular translation where it talks about God blesses those, right? So this idea of being blessed, but it also says be happy about it in verse 12 and that you're going to be rich. 
So we read the Beatitudes as indicating a blessed are, um, happy are, fortunate are. Some translations even say praiseworthy are. But in, in her book, Amy Jill Levine, uh, I think that she's correct when she says that probably we're best sticking with the traditional blessed or blessed are those or those will be, you know, uh, as it says here, God blesses those because it gives us a better sense of the divine involvement that uh, is taking place. When we hear that we're blessed, that you're being blessed, or God blesses those, we should hear that there's a sense of responsibility that comes along with being blessed. Because a blessing given, a talent bestowed, if it's unappreciated or unused, it becomes wasted. And so, so I think what's happening here is Jesus is saying that you're being blessed, but you're not just being blessed for your own sake, but you're being blessed for the sake of others. So what is Jesus saying here with, with the Beatitudes, with these blessings? And I want to look at three of them. I want to look at, the, at, at, at three. Uh, it's interesting, though. Uh, one of the ones I'm not going to really dive too much into is actually the, uh, the passage of Scripture that we're using this year to sort of shape our ministries and our focus. And that is uh, verse 9, where God blesses those who work for peace for they will be called the children of God. The reason I'm not going to dive too deep into that one is because hopefully throughout the year, we're going to continue to touch back on that and, and, and begin to reflect on what that means for us. But today I want to look specifically at, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So poor in spirit are those who recognize that they're both the beneficiaries of the help of others as part of a system in which they are to pay it forward and help those who they can. The way that it's translated here in the New Living Translation is this, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. So you hear in there this idea of being able to recognize how both uh, we, live in a, we live in a world where um, we we benefit from one another. We benefit from our relationship with God. But then we also have to pay into that so that others are benefited and blessed as well. Poor in spirit are those who, who don't sit around saying, look at what I've accomplished. Because they're aware of all of their accomplishments are, are the result of, of others. Or worse, they're not people that feel resentful because they've not received what they consider to be sufficient honor. They know, these are the people that know they did the right thing. They know that God knows and that that's sufficient recognition for them. I think in the world today, a good way to think about this might be that uh, the poor in spirit are those who are aware of our own privileges. And because we're aware of them, we work to help others who don't have the same benefits. Personally, I know that I was privileged to attend school. Uh, because of my parents, I was able to go to college, uh, do my undergraduate, and come out with no debt. I realized that some of my first jobs that I received 
Um, they, it was because of my family and their connections. I think that for some of us, it could be our appearance has provided us opportunities. And networking. And, and what Jesus is saying here is that we're blessed when we recognize that no matter our own drive, we don't achieve everything on our own. And, and it's in that moment that we begin to truly realize what it means to be part of the kingdom of heaven. Where everyone's working together for the benefit of one another. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. In part, those who mourn, they're blessed because not everybody can mourn. In order to mourn, you have to have loved. A heart that knows to grieve is a heart that knows how to love. And, and I think that we have to be careful not to just think in terms of the loss of a loved one when we think about mourning here. Now, the, to be sure, uh, the death of a loved one does cause us to mourn. But I think it would be good to ask, us, ask ourselves, what else causes us to mourn in this world? Do we, do we mourn for abused children? Do we mourn for the victims of the latest terrorist attack? Do we mourn for the veterans who have given their lives for their country? As Christians, do we mourn for the same things that God mourns for? Do we look at the brokenness in this world and does it cause our hearts to break? Or do we somehow make everything simply about us? And I think that we should find comfort in the fact that we're able to mourn because it means that we're able to care. And let's be honest, we live in a world where not everybody does. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. But this particular one is a direct quote from the scriptures of Israel. It's Psalm 37, verse 11. It also shows up in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, and, and um, chapter 21, verse 5. And so let's just really quick look at these. Matthew 11 says this. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls. 
And so what we see here is that Jesus himself is meek. Uh, verse 20, uh, chapter 21, verse 5. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. And so what the author of the Gospel of Matthew is trying to show us is that, is that Jesus himself is humble. Jesus himself is meek. And so a, a meek person, what we begin to see is that a meek person is a person with great authority, but who doesn't lord that authority over others. It tells us that this type of person is going to inherit the earth. Now, uh, in the, in the quote from the Psalm 37, it says that you're going to inherit the land. And I think that it's important for us to understand that, that in our mind, when we hear the word earth, we think of a globe. But for the people who originally were reading this, when they hear the word earth, they, they think of the land. And so inheriting the, the land, inheriting the earth, it's not like this big windfall where all of a sudden you've won the lottery, but it's a responsibility. Because to be an heir of something means that we have been given something treasured. And our job is to be a good steward of that legacy. Not to use it for our own self-pleasure. And what we begin to see is that only the meek, those who would not use the inheritance to reinforce their own already privileged position, only those are worthy to care for the land because the land is used to care for the people. They understand stewardship. They understand this, this concept of restriction of activity where uh, what can do, what, what you can do, isn't necessarily what you should do. And the meek also understand that there's a responsibility to be able to pass on the inheritance to the next generation. And so Jesus is, is building up. He's laying the groundwork for help, helping us understand what it looks like as people who follow him to live into this kingdom of heaven that he's proclaiming. And I want to I end by looking at a, something that was written in this book, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. We can leave the Beatitudes with the phrase, blessed are ringing in our ears. We could attempt to recite all nine, but perhaps a better exercise is to continue the pattern to develop our own. Blessed are those who care for broken bodies or lonely children. Blessed are those who sit by the dying at night. Blessed are those who can sing of God asking, whom shall I send? And kind of respond, it is I, Lord. I have heard you calling in the night. 
The path is narrow and the journey hard, but the blessings are found in every step forward. Amen.